I assume that the reality is for most of us in here that the uh, New Year's resolutions have come and gone. Uh, we are good about bringing them and uh, we don't like to admit that they're probably gone, right? I would, I would wonder in response to last week's message from Pastor Bill, what, it, what are you praying for? What are you hoping for from the Lord this year? So your decisions and your resolutions are gone, but is there anything lingering? Is there anything that you're still seeking the Lord and hoping to see God do in your life this year? What would that be? What do you want to see him do in the life of your family? What do you want to see him do in the life of this church? What what would your prayer for our church be in 2015? If you've already fallen off the wagon wheel for dieting and exercise, I hope you haven't fallen off the wheel yet for or the wagon yet, for, uh, for prayer, because we're just getting, getting started on that one. What is your prayer for us? You know what one of my hopes is for us as a church? My, my hope is that God would just bless our socks off, that he would just bless us in an immeasurable way, in, in a way that, is, that, that we just can't even hardly describe, that, man, we have been so richly blessed by the Lord. I would love to be able to get to the end of 2015 and look back and go, man, can you believe how God blessed Grace Baptist Church? That's amazing. It's remarkable. Now, some of you hearing me say that may be getting a little, a little fidgety, right? Is, well, should I just stay at home and watch the televangelists? Does God really, or Todd really want the Lord to just bless us? Does that mean he's wanting us to all prosper financially and, and be healthy and wealthy? I mean, we're classic with knee-jerk reactions, aren't we? That's the, that's the knee-jerk reaction that I think a lot of us have now when we talk about blessings. Because we tend to respond that way when, if there's something that we don't like or we see an error in one particular area, then we jump over here to the other side to, to guard against it, right? So theologically, there's times where we saw, see the Pentecostal movement and, and parts of that that we don't necessarily agree with. And so in response, we get way over here and maybe too far so over here, right? To where sometimes some churches, I don't think we do, but some churches might neglect the, the, the role of the Holy Spirit. And so we, we get over here, and then sometimes even something as simple as music. We, we see some of the weakness of, of modern music that, that maybe it's not doctrinally sound or, or maybe there's just not enough there. And so in response, we go, oh, I'm never singing that. I'm getting over here. And and so we stand over here, and, and we're going to be, this is what we're going to sing, and I'm not going to sing that no matter what. Or it's the opposite, right? I'm not going to sing a hymn. That's the old stuff. And we're great at knee-jerk reactions. And so then when we hear the, the health and wealth gospel, it's like, well, hey, we're not going to talk about blessings. I mean, hey, I'm not going to talk about that. I don't want to, I, 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 I'm holier than that. I don't want to talk about God's blessing in my life. Well, get over it. The, the Scripture talks about God blessing his people all throughout it. But not so much the way that we hear it in our culture, though. You see, in Scripture, here's what I want us to start with this morning. Is that in Scripture, biblical blessing is to be outwardly focused to the glory of God and the good of others, rather than for the ease and comfort and prosperity of self. That's a little different. We we think a lot of what? that, That blessing is about me being blessed and me getting blessed and, and what I get and what I have and how my life is, self, self, self. But that, that's not it. 
The, the biblical idea of blessing is that, that when God blesses us, we give him glory and praise, and we use his blessings to be a blessing to others. So that's the, that's the framework, the foundation for what we're talking about this morning. We're going to be in Psalm 67. If you want to turn to Psalm 67, that's fine. I want to, I want to share two passages kind of before we get there. The first one, actually, uh, Brother Scott read earlier. It's Genesis 12, 1 through 3, where, where God calls Abram out, and he calls him to leave his home and to go, and he says, I'm going to establish you. I'm going to make you into a great nation, a great people. And he says three things. He says, Abram, I will bless you. Now, these are paraphrased. He, he first tells Abram, he says, I will bless you. And so God says, I'm going to show my favor on you. And then he says, Abram, you're going to be a blessing. So he says, you shall be a blessing. This is what you're going to be. You're going to be a blessing to others. And then he says, Abram, I'm going to bless the families of who? The families of Israel through you. Is that who he says? No. Did you, do you remember what Pastor Scott read? He's going to bless the, the families of the earth through you. So, so the blessings that God bestows upon Abram is going to result in him being a blessing to the families of the earth. The second passage is one that you, you likely know well. It's Numbers 6, 24 to 26. It's Aaron's blessing that, he, that the priests speak over God's people. This is what God instructed Aaron to say, he says, the Lord, this is number 6, 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. So it's a threefold blessing that he instructs Abraham to speak over his people. It's a, it's a blessing for protection, a blessing for protection that the Lord would keep you. It's a blessing for favor that, that God would shine his face on you. He'd be gracious to you. And it's a, a blessing for peace that the Lord would give you peace. Now, listen to Psalm 67 in light of these two passages. Psalm 67, beginning in verse 1. God be gracious to us and bless us. And cause his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on the earth. Your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you will judge the peoples with uprightness. And guide the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Did you, did you see how it begins? Do you see it begins there with, with, with the psalmist quoting the Aaronic blessing? God, be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. He, he begins with, with quoting that same blessing. It's to be spoken over God's people. But he does not stop there. He says what? In verse 2, that why? That your way may be known where? On the earth, your salvation among all the nations. See, God's blessing is important here, but it's not the main point of the psalm. It's not the, the primary thrust. What do you see recurring over and over in, in songs? How do we highlight the main point of a song that we sing? The chorus. You want to know what a, a, a song is really about? Look at the chorus. That's what we want. That's what we repeat. That's the refrain. What do we see here? That your salvation 
may be known among the nations, that the peoples would praise you, let the peoples praise you, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. The peoples praise you, O God, let the peoples praise you. The thrust of the psalm is what? The, the glory of the Lord among the nations, that the nations would, would rise up and praise God. It begins with blessings from God, but it doesn't end there. Those blessings don't terminate within us. They're for the nations. They're for the nations to be blessed. So there's three questions that I want us to ask. Three questions. First, how are the nations to be blessed by the people of God? How are the nations to be blessed? Look at verse 2. That your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among the nations. There is no greater way for the nations than to be blessed than to know the salvation of the Lord. What, what, is, what is man's greatest problem? Sin and death. What is man's greatest need? Salvation and life. What is man's only hope? It's the gospel. How could there be any greater blessing than taking the gospel to the nations? There, there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of needs that they have. But when the nations come to know the salvation of the Lord, it is then that they will burst forth in praise. They may be thankful for financial gifts. They may be thankful for for medicine that's sent. They may be thankful for economic development, but they burst forth in praise when the gospel's proclaimed. Man, let the gospel be sent forth from us. Let's take it to the nations. In verses 3 to 5, what does it say? It says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. They sing for joy as a result of the gospel. When they know the salvation of the Lord, they sing for joy. They don't sing out of obligation. They don't sing because they like the style. They don't sing because they're trying to impress anyone. Man, you know that. When you, you guys that have been to Peru and you walk up into that, that little church in Vichacocha and you climb down the stairs of the, the, I don't know why it's designed like it is, except for it's on the side of a hill and you're trying not to stumble and break your neck going down the stairs, right? So you know and you stand up, and they start singing, they're not singing to impress you. They're not singing for the style. Because when we break out our guitar, it is radically different from their style. And you know what? They try to sing. Why are they singing? Because they're rejoicing in the salvation of the Lord. They're rejoicing in the work that God's done for them. Listen, our ultimate concern, our ultimate Outrage shouldn't it be about um, oppression, physical oppression, or slavery, or, or all those things, that, that, the poverty around the world. Our ultimate concern is that, that they are not worshiping our Lord. It's beyond physical, social, or economic need. The greatest need is who they worship. That's, the, that's, what, that's what spurred John Piper to famously say that missions exist because worship does not. When the nations are not worshiping the Lord, then we need to go and tell them because we want them to know the salvation of the Lord, that they might rise up and praise our Savior. That's why we do missions. That's why we're outraged. That's why we stand here and go, what, Bangladesh? Let's go. That's why Monica's going. That's why 15 years ago God burdened her heart, and now she's going. It's not because of the economy. It's because they don't know the Lord. They don't know Christ. Psalm 67 is a call to missions. It's a call to missions. 
It's the same thing that you see in 1 Peter 2, verses 9 to 10, where, where it talks about God calling us out to be a people, his own possession, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. He, he talks about us receiving mercy. We once had not received mercy, but now we have. And why? Why? If you look there sometime this afternoon, go and look. It's so that we might proclaim the excellencies of our Savior. God has, God has made us into a nation. He's, he's called us into a people. Not so we can sit back and go, wow, we're blessed. This is great. It's so that we could go and we could proclaim the excellencies of Christ. Man, may we be a people that does that. Here's a second question of Psalm 67. Is who, who are missions for? Or who is missions for? I went back and forth this week trying to decide is that supposed to be an is or an are. So Scott and, and Lynn, there's your homework, and you can tell me after the sermon. Who are missions for? Number one, missions are for him. Missions are for him. Look at, look at your text. Verse two, that your way may be known on the earth. That your salvation among the nations. That the peoples, in verse 3, would praise who? Praise you, O God. Praise you. Verse 5, let the peoples praise Grace Baptist? No. Praise you, O God. Praise you. And ultimately, in verse 7, God bless us that all the ends of the earth may what? Fear Him. And first and foremost, when we ask, who are missions for? Missions are for the glory of God. For the glory of God. We don't go to make our name great. Our, our goal and hope is, is that God's name will be praised. And it's easy for us to go, hey, look, go look at those tables and look what Grace Baptist is doing. That's not it. We've missed it. If somebody comes and asks us and says, hey, what, what's going on? And you go, man, listen, we are doing this, and we're going here, and we're doing that, and we went there. And, I mean, you wouldn't believe it. There's something wrong with that answer. Is this void of God? I can talk about missions all day long and only talk about Grace Baptist Church and miss it. Missions are for the glory of God. This is what God is leading us to do. You want to know where God's leading us? Look in the foyer. That's what God's doing. Missions are for Him and for His glory. Second, missions are for them. Missions are for them. Look at verse 2 through 5. That your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among who? The nations. Let who? Praise God, the peoples. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For God's going to judge the peoples. Let, verse 5, let the peoples praise you. Again, let all the peoples praise you. Missions are for them. They're, they're for them. There's millions of people, actually billions of people around the world that do not know Christ. They don't know Christ. Instead, they're, they're walking around, they're, they're worshiping false gods or evil spirits. They're worshiping their ancestors. They're worshiping fame and self and sex and money and carved statues sitting on their mantles. Some of you have witnessed this firsthand. You walk into a little hut in the middle of Thailand or, or you walk into a, a house and, and you see on the, the mantle a little statue and they're bowing down and they're worshiping that or they're wearing a, a trinket around their wrist and, and that's to protect them from the evil spirits or they go through a gate every day when they go home. They've been out in the fields or they've been in the, the woods and they walk back and when they walk through into their town, they do not do so without hanging a bone or a trinket or something on the gate. 
Because if they don't do that, the evil spirit follows them into the town and will afflict their whole town. They're worshiping the spirits. The spirits that our God rebuked. The spirits that fear the name of Christ. And they're worshiping them. They're, they're, they're bowing down in fear of them. Man, that should outrage us when they should be worshiping the sovereign God who made them. That's who they should be worshiping. Do you realize that there are 6,832 unreached people groups in the world? That's over 4 billion people. Over 4 billion people. There's, out of those 6,832, 3,200, over 3,200 are unengaged, unreached people groups. There's nothing going on there. Nothing. They're just living and no one is there to contact them and to proclaim the name of Christ. They're unengaged. That's over 225 million people, Grace Baptist, that don't know Christ. They don't know what you know. They don't have what you have. That's not a guilt trip. That's not trying to make you feel bad and go, oh, now I'm going to leave. That's a reality check. That's a wake-up call to say, hey, listen, this is the condition, this is the state, this is the calling. If we want the nations to be praised, then man, let's, let's do it. Let's take them. Let's take the gospel to the nations. Let me show you a couple of um, maps to help this hit home for what we're doing. If I can do this. I had trouble. Here we go. This is Indonesia. The red dots, you can't really see. You can't see the colors, but right here is Indonesia. All of those dots are unreached people groups. Some are red, some are yellow, some are green. In Indonesia, there's a lot of red and yellow. Red is unengaged, unreached. Yellow is unreached, but there's something going on. Green is unreached, but there's a strategy. There's, people are working towards that, right? So, so look, at all the, look at all the people groups there in Indonesia. Why are we going to Indonesia? That's why. People need the gospel. Here's where I skipped them. Now look at this one. This is an interesting one. This is United Kingdom. Now what do you notice about the United Kingdom? Is anything? Huh? The huge cluster. Now what in the world would that huge cluster be? That, my friends, is London. Why are we going to London? I mean, London's a big city. They don't need missionaries there. Oh yeah? Look at that. They're almost all red and yellow. London is full of unreached people. A friend of mine came back from there a month ago. And he, he said, everybody we talk to is Muslim, except for a few Hindus. That's why we're going to London. And then here's Peru. Here's Peru. This is it right here. See all those dots? Red, yellow, and green scattered all throughout Peru. That doesn't even signify one of those dots sitting in the Chancai River Valley. One of those dots signifies the Chancai River Valley and other valleys like it that are among the same people group. So each dot is a people group. By the grace of God, if you did put a dot in the Chancai River Valley, it went from red to yellow, and now it's green. That's cool, man. 
that, that's the work of God that he enabled us to be a part of. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for the work he's doing. That's the song we're going to sing at the end. <laughs> I should have let them handle that. Missions are for them. Missions are because we're aware of the need. Missions are because we realize that not everybody is sitting here like us. Missions is for us to go out and to go tell it on the mountain like we sing at Christmas, right? Go tell it on the mountain that, that Jesus is born. But man, let's don't be a people that just sing it in December. Let's do it. Let's go and tell them. Finally, who else is missions for? Missions is for me. Missions is for me. Here's the problem. A lot of times we have a gap in our formal theology and our practical theology. So formally, if you asked us, we would say, well, missions is, is for him, it's for the glory of God, and it's for them, it's for the nations, and it's for me. We would answer that. We'd say, yeah, I'm right with you. Yeah, I like this. It's a nice, catchy little sermon title and everything. We really like that. But practically, a lot of Christians would operate more under the missions is for the glory of God, it's for him, Missions is for them, it's for the nations, and missions is for you. It's for you. They kind of hang back in the number six that, Lord, uh, bless you and keep you and give you peace, and, and you go and share the gospel. You know, the problem with that is that's not biblical theology. Missions is for us. God's called every one of us, just like Monica shared. God's called all of us to take the gospel, to make disciples. So missions is for me. Number six says you. Psalm 67 says what? Look at the pronoun. Verse one. Be gracious to who? To you. And he says, be gracious to us, God. Bless us. Cause his face to shine upon us. Verse seven. God bless us. God bless us. Why? Why do I want God to bless us? So that we can be a blessing to the nations. So that we can go and we can exalt the name of the Lord. That we can be disciple makers. That we can be, as, as James Montgomery Boyce said, informal missionaries. He said that all Christians are informal missionaries. You've heard Charles Spurgeon quoted that, that, that he said that every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. We are called to make disciples. We're called to be intentional. We seek God's blessings, but it's not so that his blessings will just sit here. We seek God's blessings so that we could take the gospel in a more effective, in a more God-exalting way so that nations would be glad and rejoice in him. That's why we make his name known. Listen, it could look different for all of us. That's one of the things we have out there. Some people are going to go to London. Some people are going to go to Indonesia or to Peru or to Columbus. Some people are going to stay and they're going to pray and they're going to invest in that. They're going to encourage. Some people are going to arrange logistics. Some, some people are going to, going to help with all, all the planning and getting things together. Some people are going to put the bags together that we take. There's all kinds of different roles. But we're all going to be intentional as a church to go into those places. And in the midst of that, we're going to be intentional and we're going to be obedient to make, God, make uh, disciples here. We're not going to say, oh, well, I'm just, I'm just going to sit here. I'm just a sender. I'm done. Yeah, be a sender, but look where God's planted you. God has put you somewhere for a reason. 
So we're going to take the gospel to our campuses. We're going to take the gospel to our neighborhoods. We're going to be obedient and exalt the name of Christ where he's put us. Here's the last question we need to ask. Is what should we do, or what should we ask, I'm sorry, what should we ask God to bless us with? So if we pray, God bless us, what does that mean? What does that mean? Let me give you eight quick things. I'm not going to expound on them. I'm just going to throw them at you. Eight quick things I think we need to ask God to bless us with. Here's the first one. Is it, God, grow us in Christ. So, so God, bless me by helping me know more about you. God, grow me in you. Deepen my love for you. Second thing. Is it, God, would bless us with obedient hearts. Go and make disciples. God, give me an obedient heart to that. Third, that God would bless us with a zeal for the lost. That we wouldn't just sit here and go, that's an interesting map, that was nice. But that we would see that those dots represent people, and a lot of them. We would have a zeal for the lost. Fourth, that God would grant us a boldness to proclaim the gospel. God, give me boldness. Now fill me with your spirit that I might have boldness to proclaim it. Next, that we would have the means and financial provision to go. God, provide for us. Not so that we can have more clothes, better cars, better computers, bigger houses. But God, provide for us so that we can go. Provide for us. Give us the resources it takes to go or the resources it takes for me to help somebody go. Next, that God would bless us with opportunities to make disciples. Here in London, in Peru, Indonesia, Columbus, that God would bless us with opportunities to make disciples. And 2015 would be a year that we see conversion growth at grace. Next, that we would have wisdom to see and seize the opportunities. God bless us with wisdom to see them. And seize them. And the final thing that I think we want God to bless us with, it's kind of like the last point in all of your job descriptions, right? Whatever the boss tells you to do. That God would bless us with the things he knows we need that we don't know we need. And who knows what that could look like. There's things that I need that aren't even on my radar. But God understands that this needs to happen in your life so that I can glorify my name in a more incredible and awe-inspiring way. So God, do that in my life. Do that in my life. In a few minutes, we're going to sing... We're going to conclude our time of worship, and we exit out the doors, and as Bill said, there's four tables sitting up out there. There's a table about Indonesia, and a table about Peru, and a table about London, and Columbus. There's opportunities, there's pictures, there's things, information. There's going to be people standing at those tables so that you can go, and you can find out more about those areas. You can find out more about the opportunities, the works. There's places you can sign up to pray for those areas. There's a sheet at every one. There's a stack of sheets 
that are prayer requests that you can take home and you can pray and you could just rotate and pray through those different areas. Praying for that country and praying for the teams that will be going. There's a lot of opportunities. If you're interested in helping one of those and stuff, you can talk to me or somebody there and say, hey, listen, I can't go and I can't do this, but I want to help out. I want to talk to somebody about that. There's a lot of opportunities there. And listen, my my prayer is that, that God would bless us in an incredible way and that he would give us an intense zeal for missions. I've been reading the autobiography of John G. Patton. And in it, he tells, he was, a, he was from Scotland, a missionary to the New Hebrides, a group of cannibals. There's a couple stories I was going to read to you, but we've kind of come short on time. One of them, as he was getting ready to go, he was, he was feeling called. He had said, I'm going. He, in his, he had resolved in his heart. And an older gentleman in his church came and said, you can't go. There are a bunch of cannibals. They'll eat you. And so John G. Patton looked at him and said, well, you know, no offense, but um, it won't be too long until, you know, you're probably going to be worm food and be dead. And ultimately, I'm going to end up the same way. If they eat me or if I die here, fat and happy, I'm going to be worm food either way, just like you. I'm going to go, and if I'm eating, I'm eating. I'm going for the glory of God. He had another guy come up and Offer him a job and say, hey, I want a job. I guarantee I'm going to pay you for seven years. I'm going to provide for you. Here it is. Just sign on the dotted line. And John G. Patton said, no, I can't do that. He said, what? It's a good paying job. And Patton said, no, I can't do that because I've already answered God's call in my life. And I know what it is. And all this would do is interfere with that calling. And the guy jumps up comes across the room and gets in his face and said, you would deny this? If you deny it now, I'm firing you. And Patton said, I really hate that you're going to have to do that. I'm going. I can't deny the call of my master. I serve a master much greater than you. I'm not going to deny him. And God bless us. Bless us. And shine his face on us that the nations might burst forth in praise. God, give us a zeal that we cannot contain and it will not be hindered. We're going to go if God calls us to go. Let's pray. God, you're a mighty and an awesome God and there is no one like you. And God, today we sit with heavy hearts because we know there are people all around the world that are worshiping false gods. God, there are people not even a mile from here that are worshiping fame and they're worshiping money and prosperity and success, vehicles, self. God, there are people that are worshiping evil spirits around the globe. There are people that are worshiping their ancestors and and just all kinds of false gods and false teachings and ideas, God. God, when we consider that, we pray that you would burden us with a longing for them to know salvation that is in you. God, we ask your blessing on us this year. God, bless us in immeasurable ways. God, not so that we could make a name for ourselves, but God, so that we might be a blessing to others by taking the gospel to the nations. God, send us out. Send us out. 
It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.